Hi, I'm Ed Zabrinsky, and this is SEO in 2024. Ed, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? Uh, my SEO tip is start with eat and the rest will follow. Start with eat and the rest will follow. So how do we start with eat? Eat is this sort of imaginary metric that a lot of SEOs often overlook. And I think in recent years, it's really rose to prominence as to just how important it is. Previously, it was for YMYL websites, especially, whereas now in the age of AI, it's for every website. By starting with ETH, I mean essentially having that value proposition early on in all your messaging, making sure that everything you uh, deliver, publish on your website, all has some form of value attributed to it. In addition to this, not just publishing content via um, ghostwriters and not having any sort of author bios present, making sure that users and website visitors and ultimately search engines can really understand who is behind the content and why that content was published. When I say why that content is published, obviously we want to gain brand exposure, brand visibility, new customers, potential clients, new business. But the why also needs to be delivering that value proposition of I'm looking to educate, I'm looking to solve a problem for somebody, I'm looking to give that value that ultimately has led the user to use a search engine that day. So would you advocate doing some kind of EAT analysis for every single existing page on a website, even landing pages, sales pages, for example? Definitely, especially when you think of particularly, say, service-led pages. If someone is going to be um, working with a specific member of your team, making that person's information readily available on that corresponding service or uh, landing page really raises the prominence and it also brings that human element that ultimately drives EAT. From a user's perspective, they get to see the person that they might be working with, who get an idea of who they are, why you should feel comfortable trusting this individual with either supporting your business, offering you a service or selling you a product. When it's product or e-commerce led, the, these can be product specialists. It could be anyone that say is trying to sell you anything relating from tech, giving you insight as to whether you should choose Apple or Windows, whether it should be Apple or Android, anything like that. Having someone that can almost act as that figurehead really raises the prominence as ultimately it's not company A telling you X, Y, and Z. It's person within company A that has this experience that is offering you this insight. So it's always challenging to know what to do first from a marketing perspective. I would have thought there's certainly an argument to say, start with a customer first, build a funnel based upon that proposed customer journey, and then think about eat after that. Um, so why are you saying start with eat and then your strategy after that? How, do, how does that actually work? So by starting with eat, it's essentially that whilst the rest of the strategy sort of evolves, like you said, with sales funnels, instead of retroactively adding these people in and then sort of crafting a narrative that's almost false on your website where this information has been published by uh, well, the company and then it's now attributed to a person and then three, six, 12 months down the line, there's changes in staff and there's no sort of consistent messaging. If you integrate EAT at the very start of your strategy, then you are A, future-proofing yourself, but B, you're also doing something that a lot of either new businesses or existing businesses actually overlook. Commonly, I find it, especially in my previous role when I was working in um, an SEO agency, you'd look at the competitors that you were aiming to sort of strive to become one day and then beat. They had the luxury of 
having 10, 15 years, however long within the industry already. So there was already that level of trust attributed to the domain and the brand, especially if you're starting out, focusing on it from the very start is how you can almost fast track your way into ranking prominently because you are showing who you are, what your credentials are. There's nothing being hidden. You've got clear messaging that basically says you can trust us and here's why, or feel safe transacting with us because we're regulated. We have all of these trusted accreditations and integrating that from the very start raises you at least two, three, four steps up from the next person that's looking to start up in your space. So you've talked about elements of eat that brands, that websites are likely to miss out. What are maybe examples, maybe one specific example of each element of eat that websites are likely to continue to be missing out on in 2024 and beyond? So maybe starting off with um, experience. So from an experience perspective, again, everyone tends to look at things as the company has been operating within the past 20 years. And it's like, that's all well and good to sort of highlight because it gives you a sort of quantifier in the sense of X amount of years experience ultimately should show expertise. And again, if a company has been running for five, 10, 15 years, there is that element of authority within the industry and trustworthiness. However, when it comes to experience, a lot of people actually overlook the journey and the progression of a brand. So you'll see often people saying, yep, we've grown loads in the past 20 years, but actually having some kind of real timeline of saying the company was founded here by person A and person B over the years, the workforce has gone from five employees up to 500. It really starts to paint that narrative. It shows the scale and it really gives you an idea as to what the mission statement was, how true to it they've stayed, but also what obstacles they've overcome, how they've overdone it. And ultimately even things like COVID, how they managed to navigate that and ultimately to either elevate their services or maintain that consistent growth at a time where a lot of industries and businesses were, were struggling. And what's uh, an example of an element of expertise that tends to be missing? Expertise can be things related to awards, accreditations, partnerships, also any sort of third party media mentions, not directly PR mentions that are very self-serving content. But for instance, if you've been shortlisted for an award and you have coverage on external websites, just centralizing that information and making it accessible to the user and ultimately search engine bots on your website, it can be through and in the, in the news section in the media, even a press sort of package, just to really centralize that information and almost create that digital business card of you can trust us. This is where we featured. We're ex experts in our field and this is other people that can vouch for that as well. And what about authoritativeness? Authoritativeness sort of lends really into the experience and expertise side of things. But again, either having years uh, within the industry, awards, highlighting that, and also even just mentioning times where you've been, say, shortlisted for things when you've contributed to um, other articles, and then also just having policy pages on your website as well. Even little things such as having a publication policy on your website, so it shows that any writer or contributor to the website has to follow a certain uh, set of rules and guidelines to ensure that content is of the highest quality. Um, it can be trusted. Everything is well cited, referencing data, any external sort of websites that you use really just helps to build that credibility behind every piece of content and everything that the business puts out. 
Now, you mentioned um, to, would be trusted, um, so that word trustworthiness. Does that blend in with other elements of EAT or are there distinct elements of trust that you'd like to highlight? Trustworthiness is actually, in my opinion, the most important aspect of EAT. However, this is generated by all the other steps. So ultimately, if your website is trustworthy, you're displaying experience, expertise and authority. And by that, I mean, it takes all of these components to work cohesively to form a website that efficiently achieves that eat, eat strategy. There are additional things that you can do um, in terms of having, say, if you are an e-commerce brand showing um, what uh, payment types you accept, having clear uh, refund returns, uh, shipping information, all sorts of policy pages like that, making contact information easily findable, just basically ensuring that there is nothing hidden on your website. Everything is easily accessible. Users don't have to jump through hoops to find ways of getting in touch with yourself if they have any sort of disputes, having reviews, testimonials, and having that blend of both good and bad. If you see a website or a business that has 500 five-star reviews and no negatives, you know that there's something a bit untoward there because no business is ever perfect and you shouldn't pretend that it is. I'm not saying that you actively want to have sort of one, two-star reviews, but a blend of five, four, three-star reviews, but also how you respond to them is incredibly important. If someone offers you constructive criticism, then you can say, thank you so much for this insight. We'll review this and see how we can apply it to business going forward. And again, that just shows that commitment that you're not just content with how things are currently, you're constantly looking to improve, which as we know, as part of Google's quality rate of guidelines as well. Any website that is consistently putting care and attention into the content that they put out and also just their relationship with customers and website visitors is always going to outperform someone that doesn't. It may take a longer time, especially when you're starting off. The SEO, as we know, is a long game. You can't just do these things, increase your eat by 20 points, and then all of a sudden you're ranking. However, integrating it into the day-to-day business and your ongoing marketing strategy is the, some, is the one thing that will really solidify your business for success going forward. I mean, I can certainly see the value in doing a big EAT audit if you haven't really considered that before, if the majority of your content was produced maybe more than three years ago or so, and you hadn't really been aware of that or created content with that in mind. Uh, after you've done an audit like that and implemented the changes and hopefully introduced the EAT ethos into the production of your future content, it, would it be necessary to do future EAT audits or is it a case of setting it and forgetting it after that? No, definitely continuously audit. This could be little things, whereas if you say have an evergreen piece of content, even if you don't physically update anything that's on it, at least have a little note on the, the blog article or the landing page that says, and this page was recently reviewed on X date by person A to ensure accuracy. And again, that's just another little signal in the grand scheme of things that is your each strategy that just shows that you're not throwing up a singular piece of content and being like fantastic high fives and handshakes all around. That's job done. You're continuously making sure that every bit of content that you have on your website is actually accurate at all times. For instance, in um, Swoop's case, when interest rates change or there's anything related to um, schemes ending, we have to update the website content to ensure that we're reflecting 
the current rates on say loans or um, interest rates at any time so that the user isn't misinformed and also we're fi uh, regulated by the financial conduct authority so we have to continuously ensure that everything that we do is above board and continuously um, hitting that criteria whilst that this would fall into YMYL there's no reason that any other website shouldn't be doing this to ensure that they're meeting or exceeding what is expected from an EAT perspective. So how do you measure each success? Each success would be um, just the continuous growth of your website. Obviously this relies as well on the other content that you're putting out, the continuous sort of feed of content, um, improvement in rankings, but the real testament to it is the continuous growth or the fact that when uh, core algorithm updates happen or we have these volat uh, volatile states that your website isn't impacted by this. Google will always say that when a website gets affected by a core algorithm update, it's not that they're necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just that other websites are doing something right. This would ensure that your website is doing something right because you're focusing solely on white hat tactic and you are focusing on ETH and div uh, delivering that value to your website visitors. If an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time, more time doing what you suggest in 2024? Um, the big thing to, to be would be not to go too big too soon. Everyone wants to go after these high volume keywords that offer 20, 30, 40,000 monthly searches. That's not obtainable in the immediate. And realistically, the brands that are already holding that are going to hold those rankings for a very long time. What you need to do is focus on the more long tail searches and weave your experts into that and really create a persona and a voice for your brand as an authority within these long tail searches. Over time, you'll start to be able to compete for the bigger, higher volume searches that will ultimately generate the higher amount of traffic, almost as a bit of a vanity metric, as we all want more users on our website, but we know that the long tail, high intent searches are the ones that are actually going to convert as they're far more transactional, whereas a seed keyword has a lot of discovery, informational, navigational intent behind it. Focus on long tail, build your authority within a certain aspect of the business, have your experts reviewing, publishing, basically vouching for content, have clear experts listed on, on site, cite their credentials, really build them up as people within the organization. And over time, you'll see that that seed keyword that you initially wanted to target, you may well be ranking for now as a um, byproduct of the initial strategy of going for the long tail keywords. Ed Zubrinski is SEO and Content Manager at Swoop Funding, and you can find him over at swoopfunding.com. Ed, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thank you for having me. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com.